Hi, and welcome to the Coliseum Podcast. I am Brooke, and I am hosting today, and I am here with Anna and Taylor and Pastor Emily, and we are really excited to bring you this podcast today. We're going to be talking about Romans 5 and giving our thoughts and challenges and blessings from it. Um, So I'll start by introducing myself. I'm Brooke Lawrence. I am an assistant director for CCW. Um, And oh, and Emily also asked that we answer this question, um, this opening question. I have nothing to do with this. Um, The question of um, (laughs) because we're in the Coliseum podcast, right? And the idea with the Coliseum is One, it's like Romans themed and two, like we are wrestling with the text to take a blessing from it, like Jacob and Genesis with God. Um, But um, it was suggested that we ask the opening question of what animal would you like to be killed by in the Colosseum, like if you were being martyred? Um, if that's totally not okay, like we accept feedback and we will change our process in the future. But, um, yeah, I've also, I've actually, I do fiction writing. So like, I actually have thought about this. Um, and, um, I, I'm just gonna have to say a lion. Usually, like in my story, I like choose a bear, but I think lions are pretty like swift. No, I'm gonna go with wolf. I'm gonna go with wolf. And like chances are I think like a wolf wouldn't kill you. I don't know. Well, I'll go with a wolf actually. Um Oh, right. Oh, and my relationship to Romans, I already said this last time, but my relationship to Romans has changed since the last episode because I've been reading that book, Romans for Normal People, and it's really beautiful. So I'm really um, enlivened by Romans. I think that it's a beautiful book and it's really enriching my faith and I really appreciate it. So that's what I'm bringing. And... Next, we're going to ask Anna to introduce herself. Tell us about yourself, Anna. Tell us how you would like to die. <laughs> okay, so I'm Anna, a CCW leader. Um, so two ways. Like the mythical beast that I would like to kill me is a hydra because reasons. And if not a mythical beast, like a ginormous swarm of rats um yes because rats are terrifying and my relationship with romans is i mean i've read it but i don't have like any strong foundational relationship with romans yeah anna have you read 1984 yes yeah and so i'm thinking of um taylor can you introduce yourself to us yeah Hi, everyone. My name is Taylor. I am a junior at the University of North Florida. I'm also a CCW leader, also a UNF officer. Um, and 
Um, if I could think of an animal that would kill me in a coliseum, I got like a like. I'm not taking this like in a ferocious type way. I'm taking it more of a, like a laid back way. I would actually say, like, maybe I'm thinking a lamb. I don't know why, but I think the lamb. I'd be like, oh, Taylor gets killed by a lamb. That would be my happy ending. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then my relationship. The Romans, um, like Anna, I don't have that much of a foundation in it, but, um, like, reading just this passage, Roman 5, um, it gave me a lot of, like, positivity from that, so just reading that kind of, like, makes me want to read more, so, yeah. Yeah, that's great, Taylor, and yeah, you, I think you won the question, so... Um, thank you for introducing that possibility to us. Um, and Emily, how would you describe yourself and your death wishes? I just have to say this question is so much better than I thought it was going to be. Anna, like props for like turning it into mythical beasts. That's a whole category that I had not considered. Um, and Taylor, I love that you gave like a fluffy version. You were like, oh, let's have a happy death. Like that's very... Yeah, no, I, I feel like this is the question we should ask when we get to heaven and we meet the martyrs. It's like, please tell us the real story. Um, yeah, so I'm Emily. Um, I am a pastor in the United Methodist Church. I'm the pastor of Riverside Park UMC here in Jacksonville right now. Um, I'm also honored to be on the board for CCW. Um, so yeah, I love, I love y'all at CCW. Great job. Keep up the good work. My death creature, you know, I I think like death by peacock or something just like equally bizarre would be like an epic story to be told later by, you know, future generations, um, which is also part of the story of the martyrs, right? Is they're like, hey, they love Jesus so much that they faced the peacocks and the hydras. Um so, yeah, so my relationship with Romans is kind of a mixed bag, for sure. I think there are some pieces of Romans that are really hard to wrestle with. I would also say, I mean, Romans chapter 8, just hands down, nothing separates us from the love of God, like nothing, not even death by bunnies or, sorry, no, Anna, you said a plague of rats, like nothing separates us from the love of God. And, you know, you can't, you can't really beat that kind of like strength coming from scripture about God's love. So yeah, I like Romans. Yeah, that's the sort of perspective that I hope that we can get to with Romans um, and why we love having guests like you on, Emily, to give us that like rich, informed goodness of it. And crazy questions. Yeah, I'm going to be sitting with that for a while. Um, I'm not like, if you get canceled in heaven, Emily, like, I'm not a part of this. Like, I did not condone any of this, but it was a great question. Um, And all right. So we are going to start. And our first question is, what did you like from Romans 5? 
And I was wondering, Emily, if you had any thoughts about what you like from the passage. I like, I don't know. Do you want the like initial surface level answer or do you want the more feminist answer? I want the true answer. They're both true. What What do you feel called to? Like the answer is inside of you. All right. I'll give the feminist answer. I'll give the deeper version. So I appreciate that despite generations of history that has talked about sin differently and kind of blamed sin on Eve specifically. And that kind of gave voice. I think this is a great example of, hey, when we actually read the text and we read what is in front of us, I do think that challenges a lot of things that are spoken and spoken around in our culture. Um, Because when you look Lo and behold, chapter 5, verse 12, it talks about sin and sin entering human race. The actual scripture here, the theological understanding here, isn't that sin came into humanity specifically through the woman. It really does say Adam. Like it does give space. And y'all, men, this is not me throwing you under the bus. This is me saying that in times and spaces where we do harm, we do wrong. That does not come down to any particular gender or sex. That is a human thing. It is human to cause harm to one another. And part of the Jesus story is that God gives us grace to learn and grow through that and and live a better way. Um, so I, I appreciate that this text about sin does call out some of the stereotypes and sins that we have sometimes even floating around the church. So that's one thing I love. I really love that, Emily. And I love um, I love how that's pointed out because I feel like, um, so I've been like going way too fast through like this Bible reading plan, right? So I, I've like just blasted through like all the New Testament letters it's fine. Um, but in it, they do, they do talk a lot. I, I remember it being talked about like the sin of Eve, um, and really just like pinning a lot of that on her, um, or even like the beginning of Genesis, like it's, um, there are parts that definitely use that story in a way that like looks especially poorly on Eve and, by extension, every person, <laughs> every person who's a woman. Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't know if it was intentional, but I do think um, the way it's traced to Adam here is really powerful. I mean, I do want to name that in the, the greater context of this passage here is it contrasts the sin of humanity with the grace and forgiveness and freedom of Jesus Christ. So I think when I when I pointed this out, I didn't just mean like, oh, hey, let's blame everybody. I think it's just the reality of like blaming it, pinning, like that's a piece that I think this scripture frees us from when we do the theological work of reading scripture as a whole. I think there's a lot more wholeness there. Yeah, and that's, the, that's something that Derek brought last time is this idea that um, that when Paul, you know, like the passages that we really pull out where it's like Paul, <laughs> Paul said this about like a group of people, what Paul is saying, like every time he's like this, 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 like 
and you do this too. Like it's saying we're all responsible for this sin. Um, and I think, again, like you're saying, like it's not saying like all men do this, um, like just men have this problem, um, but it is inclusive um, and kind of like that hard way of like everyone, <laughs> everyone participates in this destructive nature um, and everyone, um, everyone is saved by Jesus' action through it. Um but yes, I am curious, Anna, if there was something that you especially liked. So for me, I really like the one part where it said, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation for all people, so also one righteousness acts act resulted in the justification and life for all people and the reason why i really liked this one was because i never really understood sort of like the one person gets blamed for everything and then like the one person saves it but when you kind of put them together it sort of balances each other out because like, if that makes any sense. When I was in seminary, I had a professor that described this exactly what you're talking about, Anna, but they used the language of like, what what was once, what one person knotted up, like Jesus untied and loosed and set free. Um, so I, yeah, I like that take on this too. That's pretty cool. Oh, it just always confused me that like, because one person sinned, everybody else sinned, and then because, like, Jesus saved us, then everything else was undone. But, like, when you put them together, it balances out and makes it, like, I don't know. I just like that it balances each other out. No? Um, that's beautiful, and I really appreciate the putting together of those things. Um, Taylor, did you have something that you especially liked about the passage? Yes. Um. So... I, I'm going to quote some verses here, but I particularly like verses two, two through five. And the version that I read, I read the CE Blue version, and it says, because we know that trouble produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Because I think, like, like, whenever we, like, go through a bad time, we're just like, oh, this is it, like, nothing's good, good is going to come out of that. But no, like, your trouble will help you, like, get through it, and then you'll get through it, and enduring it will produce character, and then your character will produce hope for the future. So I like that kind of continuation, that's a big word, through the um uh, passage. And then I also liked the overall themes of the um passage that were present. Like it talks about hope and then it talks about peace and it talks about grace. So I guess like how it took that but explained them in different ways, but also had a down to earth part to it as well. So that's what I like about the passage. Thank you for sharing that, Taylor. And even as I was reading it, I was like, this is such a Taylor verse. Like, I bet Taylor's going to like that. Um, 
So I am, um, I've been preparing my message because I'm, um, I'm giving the talk tomorrow at UNF on Romans 5 and then at Flagler. Um, so I, I don't know, like I've ran out like a whole thing describing like what I like about it. Um, so I feel like I'm kind of like spoiling what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say in like 20 minutes. So it'll be slightly different. Um, I, um, and this is, and I think I'll talk about this in the next step. This is a passage that really challenges me and, um, in some ways, and this part especially used to challenge me, but in conjunction with the Romans for Normal People text, it really emphasized, um, especially like as I'm reading through Genesis, um, how when it says like Jesus, like through Jesus, we're saved. Like, I love that language of like, but not, but not is undone. Um, and how through Genesis, I really like how it says like through Adam, Adam through Moses, like pointing out this destructive behavior. Um, and I, I do have like a positive, um, is it positive anthropology? I do I have like a positive view of humans and human nature, but I, um, I do think it's true both in the Bible and, um, you know, just in life that humans do have a tendency, um, to choose to hurt each other and to choose to make decisions that are not good and not life-giving. And I really appreciate that the text calls that out. Like it brings attention to this, right? So like through, um, through Genesis, right? Like you have like God's heroes, but they're constantly like deceiving each other and lying and like making really harmful decisions that hurt, um, that hurt themselves and others. Um, and still like God is faithful to them still like begin these messes and like, still God is present for them, which Paul talks a little bit about, um, before Romans five. Um, but I love this idea of Jesus being the antidote to that. Like now Jesus is doing, um, is like making things new. Um, and the way that I say it, and I'm trying to like find, um, trace this like to the text, but the way that um, the Romans for Normal People book talks about it is like Jesus is showing us the way to life. Like humans have this inclination to choose death, but Jesus Jesus is life. And by choosing the way of Jesus, like the way of God, um, it's this self-emptying. It's this relinquishing of power in the same way that like humans throughout the Bible, throughout history, you know, like throughout life, like humans want to like hold on to that power um, and use it over people. But the nature of God that is revealed to us in Jesus is the self-emptying of power. Um, and I... Um, that's really deep. It's not like what I got from it, my first read, but I love this example of like, this is the way of death and the honesty about like we as humans, like we often choose that. And yet like God is another way. God shows us another way. Um, and this is like the character, the healing character and nature of our God. Um, yeah. So now we're going to talk about what challenges us and we are going to start with Anna. Anna, what challenges you? 
about this passage? Okay. So I'm not sure if it's just like a translation thing, but, um, or like a metaphor in back when this was written, but in a couple of different like sections where I read um, verse 10, it says, for if while we were God's enemies, and I don't like how it says that we are God's enemies like that, because, okay. So in so many parts of the Bible, it says that God loves and he is very loving and he is like our father and stuff like that. And I don't like the connotation of us being put as his enemy, I guess, because that like one of like the two main roles is love God and love everybody else. And like, like, and have you ever heard the thing where it's like loving is patient, loving is kind, loving does not hurt. So for someone to be your enemy, you cannot love them. You have to like, so while we don't always have the best relationship with God, I feel like um, just saying that we are the enemies is taking away a lot. Um, and this could be like a translation thing, but like, I feel like, so most parents who have like kids will, won't go to their child and say, Hey, because like you've done, like you've messed up in life. I'm, I'm, you're my enemy now. Like it might be challenges to them to say like, maybe their kid got hooked on drugs or something like that. And just because it's hard to have a relationship with them when the kid's constantly like pushing them away, doesn't mean that they'll hate them or that that kid will be an enemy. And so, yeah, I just did not like the word choice there. All right. So Anna, I a hundred percent agree. And several pieces that I'm looking at, it does use the word enemy. This is, I'm going to pastorally I think, A, it's helpful to remember that this is Paul writing to people that are Rome, right? Like when you think of Rome, the Colosseum, like you think of soldiers, right? Um, and like, I think, and, and the word here, because I looked it up, I was like, you're right. What is the Greek word here? And the Greek word here really is like the one who is hostile, somebody who is openly hostile or a um, and so I do think like what it is saying is, hey, when we were opposed to what God was doing, God still brought us back. So really to a bunch of people in Rome, this would be like Paul saying like, it, I mean, this would be like right now going to Russia and saying, hey, like even the Ukraine, even the folks in Ukraine, or vice versa. I mean, you go to two folks that you're like, this is enemies. And like, you pull them back together because of grace and reconciliation. Like, that's the extent of that God's grace goes. Um, so yeah, you're right. Like, I think the word enemy fits, but it, it has to be enemy in the sense of like, God is not saying we're enemies. Like, we have chosen to be opposed to what God is, because so does that is that helpful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like that was like the main part of this passage that I was just like 
we are gods just like saying that like yeah yeah but yeah no for sure like enemies that's not a language that's not that's a tough word now um, I I was really looking forward to your thoughts Anna because you always um you always think about things really deeply like you find that thing in the <laughs> like I wouldn't have pulled that out but that's um that's a really deep and important thought and thank you for sharing um Taylor did you have uh yes yeah. um so when I was reading the the version that I read from um verses 13 and 14 like that was kind of like to me it was like a roadblock because like to me I felt like it didn't really like fit in the passage per se because it's like it's talking about peace and then like Adam comes out of nowhere it's like why <laughs> it's just like Adam and then it talks about Moses and then it goes back to the normal um um and like for so like it didn't make sense and then in verse 14 I know what happened to, like, Adam was, like, a fruit in the tree and, like, creation, all of that. But I'm not really sure how, um, like, what happened to Moses, um, per se. Um, so that's what contributed also to the roadblock. Um, and then also in verse 20, sorry, I'm playing a lot of things. Um, I don't get where it says, in my version, it says, we're singing great. Increase grace multiplied even more. So that's the two things that challenge me in the passage. Yeah, I appreciate that honesty, Taylor. And um, yeah, I um, there's so many passages like that in the Bible where I'm like, oh, like I get everything, but not that. <laughs> um, and I. I really believe that God like openly engages with us when we ask those questions. We say that. And I appreciate that. Um, it looks like someone might have something to say, Anna. Yeah. So I have an idea. This might not be the right idea for like what um, like the verse 20 might mean. But um, so when you sin or do something wrong it just means that god has to like still isn't angry at you and still loves you and still feels like grace towards you so i guess that might be what it means like he's not is that does that make sense like does it seem right yeah because i think what it says like now that i'm thinking about it and as we engaged in this conversation like, like when we said, like, God is still there. You may not feel like he's there and, like, near you, but, like, he's still there to where he wants to help you. You just have to accept that and, like, go with it because you know it's the right thing, even though when mentally or physically you don't think that. Well, and I also hear, I mean, in this verse 20, um, which I love that you picked up on this, Taylor, because uh, I, I think part of what I also hear is the further we walk away from God, the more incredible it is that God walks just that far. 
to bring us back, you know? So like if you're, and the times when I, the times when I am most aware of God's grace are the times when I am most aware of how badly I have messed something up, you know? You know, like when the spots where I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I have done this. Like, oh my gosh, that's like, I'm, I'm a terrible garbage person. I mean, and, and like, let me like, obviously, like, I still hold that with the truth of like, I am created by God and God, you know, there's goodness. So anybody else hearing this, if you feel like you're a garbage person, know that you're still loved by God and by grace. Um, but for me, when I'm like, oh, I messed up that badly, the further we walk away, like there's no, like we can't go so far that God won't come and get us. So the more, you know, and, and Paul follows that up later. There's another spot here is like, so does that mean we sin more so that we can get even more forgiveness and grace? Paul's like, no, like, no, that's not how it works. Like we also have human responsibility to, you know, to, to not, to not continue to do things that are harmful. Um, but yeah, the more we see our sinfulness, the more we see God's abounding grace that forgives us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. I was like hoping that you would like jump in there and give us some context. I was just like waiting. Um, so thank you for that. Um, I don't know. Uh, did anyone else have anything they wanted to say? Okay. Um, yeah. So my challenge is, um, I don't know. I think it's like a deeper, like, structural issue inside of me that I don't think is going to be fixed um by a conversation but I um I have like pretty firm um I have some firm ideas about theology that like yeah <laughs> so I um I get really um I hold tightly to like my personal like atonement theories um, and I really, really struggle with atonement theories that are not like my one atonement theory. Um, so I struggle with, I'm going to go five, I'll start five, eight. But God proves his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm fine with that one. Um, much more surely than now that we have been justified by his blood, we will be saved through him from the wrath of God. Okay. All right. Um, I, I just don't, um, it's a safe space. I can say this. I just don't think one, I really don't like it when people talk about Jesus's blood. Like, I think that's a really personal part of your body. I don't know. It just really creeps me out. Like, I don't think, um, I don't know. It just like Jesus, is God, but like also human. And if you're like talking about Jesus, what I don't like it. Um, but I honestly, and again, like this is like the moment in time, it's like January 31st, 2023. This might not always be my opinion, right? But like at this moment, I don't believe that something magical happened when Jesus died that like suddenly made God not mad at us. Like, I don't believe that, like, before Jesus died, like, God was super mad at us. And then, like, Jesus took out all of God's anger. I know God, God took out all of Jesus's anger on Jesus. 
and then and then like now we're fine right and I like I don't I don't think that's exactly what's being said here but I that's just like not um especially like justified by his blood no and I and we will be saved through him from the wrath of God no like I I don't believe that the way I currently look at atonement theories. Um, I do like the one of Jesus came like a physician to like heal our sin. I like that one, but I subscribe to the um, scapegoat atonement theory. So the idea that Jesus acted as a scapegoat. Um, so like Jesus is the ultimate scapegoat, right? Like in the scripture, it says like, they had, like, Jesus had to die, like, for the sake of many, right? Like, that's what the high priest, that's what the, one, one of the high priests, Caiaphas, like, that's what one, one of them says. Um, but in this idea of, like, you know, like, pinning, like, a scapegoat, like, all of the sin, like, all of, um, <laughs> all of the, like, problems that the city is having, like, if they kill Jesus, like that will all go away. Um, and it doesn't, right? But I I find it beautiful. Like I see Jesus as like in solidarity with all scapegoats in the world, which I think happens on like a really big level, right? Like that happens, like honestly, like the Jewish people have been scapegoated throughout history, are still scapegoated. Um, any marginalized group of people is scapegoated. And I think like even in personal relationships, and this is something that I'm really like trying to check on in myself is when when we have this idea that like the problem isn't inside of me, like the problem is out there and like projecting that onto a person. This can happen in families and organizations. It can just happen in our head, right? Like if only this person wasn't in my life, I wouldn't have this problem. Um, and I think that's, really destructive. And I think that Jesus's death gives us insight into that and that Jesus is like pointing this way to undo that. Um, and again, like I'm open to like changing my atonement theory, like I'm a little bit open. Um, but I, I don't know if that's like what, I don't know if that's what Paul is saying and I might disagree and I'm, I'm, excited for more context if anyone has any context to give I don't know if I have any extra context but I pretty much totally agree with you because also another thing is that the wrath like God's wrath like I don't think God is punishing us when we sin as much like and I've heard um hell and that sort of places as like sometimes it's not described as an actual physical place that you go to get punished but it's more described as a separation from God like you can't reach him talk to him or be with him and that is the punishment but I don't feel like God is like again with like the wrath and the enemy and like the negative God sort of connotations is that I don't feel like God sees us negatively like all the time I feel like we do have things that are wrong with us but like 
it's not like God hates us and wants to punish us. It's like, we just can't be with him because we are sometimes like sinners and that prevents us from being with God. And I feel like, again, like the scapegoat, they kind of pinned the sins on Jesus and they had him die and then come back to life. And I think it said somewhere that like death couldn't reach Jesus anymore because he had already died and came back. And just really interesting stuff. But yeah, I think you're right. So like, okay, atonement theories, like there is no one single perfect atonement theory because at the end of the day, an atonement theory is just a metaphor that allows us to understand how it is that somehow we were really far away from God. Like somehow we went from being separated from God. We went from doing the wrong thing. We went from, you know, this like very fragile humanity and death. And then instead God brought us back to the fullness of like full relationship with God, full at one with God. Like, you know, we, we went from being outside to inside, like, how did that happen? Enter atonement theories, right? You know, and I think the heart of any atonement theory really comes from like, what's the problem that we're describing, right? Because Anna, I fully, I fully resonate with this whole, like, I don't think God hates us. Um, But hearing you talk, like, I have like I'm a parent, I have a three-year-old girl and I like love my child, would never call her my enemy. I will also say yesterday, very real example, I went to pick her up from school and she's standing in line with her lunchbox and I see her hit another kid with her lunchbox. Like just like smacked him in the back of the head, which you know, I mean, she's three, the child was not wounded, but like at the end, I'm like, that's not okay. Like my child, my child is not going to be the the bully. Like my child is going to be kind. Um, and I said, I said, Hey, I won't use her name on social media. So I, you know, I'll say, you know, so I said, Hey, um, like you need to apologize to your friend. And she refused. Like she just absolutely shut down and refused and was like, no, like, I mean, but that's, like, she's just, she's like me. She's very stubborn. And I get that. Um, so I, you know, I had to find a way to have a, to do discipline that matched her because that behavior is harmful to her friends. You know, I also know, like, I want her to have friends. And if you grow up as the kids smacking other kids, like, that's not the way to have healthy relationships. Um, so like, that is the context in which punishment for the sake of like discipline and like health and wholeness and whole relationships, because she needs to learn now, like healthy discipline, consequences that match, you know, in her scenario, she did not get honey peanuts, which is her favorite snack. She did not get that on the way home. Um, so, you know, but I get, you know, once you put the word discipline out there or punishment, you know, you're like, whoa. So, I mean, I think, yeah. And Brooke, if I could offer, so again, like, blood language like blood like nobody like nobody likes like that's just not especially in our world like we sterilize everything oh you're bleeding get a band-aid like cover it up like if you have any like we 
we're not around blood. And in fact, our, our modern understanding is if something is bleeding, it is bad. You know, if you look at more of a, you know, a, a, in, in the Hebrew Bible, blood is something sacred because blood is life. You know, so if you're offering blood, it is, um, like you're offering something that is sacred and precious. You're returning it to God. And that's like a, like, that's a weird concept that our culture doesn't really understand. The one explanation of the one atonement theory that I went, oh, um, the one concept of blood that I do think we understand is transfusion. And I love that you already said like healing. I mean, when you get, if, if somebody donates blood, they donate blood because they're saying, look, I have what you need. I have the platelets that will heal you. Um, you know, the blood type has to match. Like if you, if you are type B, you need type B. If we are human, we need a human transfusion on our level. Thus, in order for the full divinity of God to come into our reality. Um, so I, 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 I do resonate with the image of the blood of Christ as a transfusion, as like, this is a healing way that the wholeness and the divinity and the goodness of God has come into the very nature of our humanity. Um, and also, Brooke, I think that like, oh, hey, the idea that this one action suddenly changed God the Father in heaven's heart, you know, he was angry and now suddenly there's death and violence and now it's okay. You know, certainly I think that's a that's a critique and that's a space where we need to be careful of our language and our metaphors. Um, and, and I'm, I'm talking a lot. No, it's good. You like want to have like experts. Um, that's our, that's our like hope is to learn. Back to like the parent child thing. I totally understand little kids. This isn't the same thing, but I have, little sisters who are like significantly younger than me so yeah but I've also want to like make I don't know if I made the distinction when I was like talking but um the distinction between like punishment and discipline at least in my mind this might not be like the actual definition but I feel like punishment is more um so Actually, I'll just go to discipline. Discipline is to create, cr correct like a behavior. It's not meant to like hurt the child. And, um, but punishment is more because like you did something wrong, you should feel pain. It's not about really correcting the behavior. It's more about revenge and recompense, I guess, rather than like, because everyone's, like, I totally agree with making, like, sure kids understand that there's something wrong when they do something wrong in, like, 100%, like, whether that be, like, no tablet time or, like, but it has to, like, match and, like, it's not just, like, hurting the kids and making the kids suffer just because, like, you're mad at them. So I just wanted to make that distinction is, like, I feel like God might discipline us, but he wouldn't like punish us or take his wrath out on us. Yeah. And it may also, and I love that distinction, Anna, like it may also be possible that God is healthy enough 
that there isn't like some deep wrath just waiting to pour out. Right. You know, I mean, I do think like if you're, if you're in the middle of a thunderstorm and there's thunder and there's earthquakes and you don't fully understand what's going on, like I couldn't understand why a people would. And I think, you know, that's easy, right? To say, oh, well, God is angry because you did this. But then that's back to the blaming that we talked about. And, you know, that's also back to the scapegoating that Brooke talked about. And when, especially when this chapter, this passage is saying, hey, time out, God loves us this much. Look what God has done. We would expect punishment. We would expect enemies and like tit for tat and like retribution. We would expect war. And yet God has done something completely different. God has offered grace. How crazy is that? God is God and not like the mess that we see in humanity so much. I love it. And on that note, Emily, do you have, um, what is your challenge for the passage? I love that you guys came up with super deep ones. Mine is pretty surface level. I struggle with this passage and a lot of Romans just because there's so many prepositions in it. Like it's really like, this is the kind of stuff that I have to sit down and read and really read and question like, okay, time out. So is it through the blood of Jesus? Is it because of Jesus? Is it there's, I, I just have to read it a lot and it takes discipline because I'd much, you know, Twitter's easier to read than the Bible. <laughs> I would like to add on to this to say that I cannot physically actually read the Bible. I open it up like on an audiobook thing and they've done like, because I have the Bible app on my phone, so it played it aloud to me. And I also then have to go and like hear it a couple of times and then have somebody else like tell me what's going on to actually like understand. And also it's been like scientifically proven that like now I don't have the best sources, but like, so maybe check my references, but that you can't, like it's harder for you to understand stuff with like complicated language, verbiage, and that most like health issues have to be like presented at an eighth grade level. So like, because that's what generally everyone can understand. And if you're not like an expert in a certain field, like you're not an expert at reading the Bible, then they have like a whole bunch of metaphors that aren't like current and then a whole bunch of other stuff. And they use stuff like enemies, which doesn't exactly translate into like the thing that it was. And so like, and we'll have to keep updating it as language changes because language changes naturally. And then you don't have words that fit certain languages and it's endlessly complex. And then of course you have like, um, now, I'm not positive this happened, but I feel like um, the Catholic Church, I when they had, like, only a few people could read, right? So, like, less people could, like, read the Bible back in the day. I'm not positive, don't know the statistics, but um, mainly, like, the priests and the, like, richer upper class people had the ability to actually like, sit down, read the Bible, and learn about it. And so like they could take words out of context and say that this means this when it really means that. And then it's so into a religion because like then there is imperialism and then it just gets so complex and it's so annoying because and these people 
this isn't even written by Jesus. This is written by like other people who have just taken Jesus's words again out of context further. So, yeah. I have something I on that. So yeah, the first time I read this, like the first part, the first couple verses were fine. Uh, the second half was like rumble jumble. I cannot understand it. There is not a cohesion. But yet I was reading this late at night. So probably wasn't by specific. So I read it once and then I took it to bed. And then I read it like just before this. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. It's like, I'm an ASL interpreter major. So I'm, <laughs> yes. So I'm, um, so I know two languages. So like, like you said, like, you have to think about the connotations of words and some of them are negative and some of them are positive. But like also in ASL, we have signs that mean 10 million different words. So you have to think about the meanings of that too. So, like, it's kind of, like, the Bible is kind of, like, interesting, like, and it's, like, like, um, you just have to think of it in different ways, and that's just what makes it interesting. Taylor, did you know that there are theological concepts for which ASL words do not exist yet? No, I did not know. Yeah, like scripture and theology in ASL is like one of like, yes, at some point we could, I would love to have that conversation with you because there are, yeah, and there are spaces where theology flows into sign language words. Um, Like there are some words that I think are better in ASL than in, in English, like glory, for example, like it's sparkly, you know, and I really, I fully realize that this is an audio podcast and nobody can see what just happened. So find Taylor at some point and ask her what the word for glory is. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, I don't, yeah, yeah. Like the glory of, of God, like that's, ha, sorry. Okay, continue. Yeah, <laughs> I am um, trying to learn ASL, but like really like poorly. Um, but I, you know, I was just like walking through Wawa and I was like doing the like sign for Jesus and this guy looked at me and I was like, oh crap. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I look really weird out of context. Like I'm I'm ready to start like checking in ASL. I'm ready. Um but yeah. So now we're on to the fun question, which is um our final question of where do you find a blessing in this passage? And like I said earlier. It's kind of coming from this idea in Genesis where Jacob like comes across this man who's God and for whatever reason, like Jacob like wrestles him and um, and then like he breaks his hip. It's fine. And then he like gets a new name and then he's blessed. Um, and it's really weird because it's like, why is he being rewarded for like attacking this man? But the idea, the idea I think that I take from it and I think that Haley is using for this is the idea that when we wrestle with God, we find a blessing in that. And as we wrestle with this text where there are difficult, um, difficult messages inside of it, or like it might be difficult to see at times, like it's difficult to really grasp what's going on. Um, how can we, how can we still find a blessing in it through wrestling with it? Um, so 
Taylor, I was wondering, what is the blessing that you are presently taking away from the passage? Yes. So like I said earlier, when I was talking about what I liked about the passage, which is verses two through five, and talking about like trouble, endurance, and character, and hope. Um, I like that. So that was the blessing thing I found. But also, um, uh, I think verse eight kind of can tell all of us that we, we talked about like numerous in numerous ways during our conversation together. Um, it tells us that no matter what we do, God will always be there for us. He'll like, he'll always want to like establish relationship if you don't have one or work on it to further like support you or like be your friend. Um, so that's the kind of overall blessing that I found in, in this passage. Yeah, I am, um, I've been thinking about this passage a lot, so I think there's a lot that I'm taking away from it that I'm going to try to bring into my message tomorrow. But I, um, what I'm really thinking about from our conversation is, um, the idea of grace, um, as Emily talked about it, and as you brought up Taylor, like this idea of how like grace abounds, um, even like in the midst of our mistakes, like still grace abounds. Um, and I, I pretty foundationally believe in like God's ever present, like unconditional love. Um, but I love this idea of grace and just the idea of like the, the image of grace, just like flowing in like, even and especially, like, where there is, like, um, decay and destructive choices, like, still God's love and grace is all the more present there, um, and how that grace, like, empowers us to, like, continue in that same spirit, um, and yeah, I think I'm going to be meditating on that idea of grace and, um, and the way it, the way it reveals God's character of forgiveness for us. My is from the same verse that you chose, Taylor. Again, it's that verses six through eight. Um, and it's funny, this is, to, as as pastor, this is the same language that's in our book of worship. Whenever we celebrate communion, there's kind of a space for folks to confess their sins. And then the language of forgiveness, you know, as pastor, I stand and I tell people, like, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and so, yeah, I love the metaphor. Yeah, they say, hey, look, even if you were good, even if you do all the right things, like maybe people would be willing to give their life for you. Um, but as an Enneagram 3, the idea that I am not defined by what I do and like even when I fail, that God still loves me and I have worth to Jesus even when I fail and failure, if, if anybody else is an Enneagram three, you know, like failing is like the worst thing ever. Um, that is such a huge blessing to be free of that fear and to be free to be loved and have worth. I think that's just, yeah, that's a blessing. And Anna, what blessing are you taking away from the passage? So this might not be deep at all, but um, it's the verse five. And um, love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Um, not, that's not the whole verse, but it doesn't matter. Um, 
I really like the idea of us having the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I just like like it. And Anna, my translation, I'm looking, I'm, I've got the Life Application Bible in front of me. And it says um, that it's the, it says it's a warm love that has been poured out because God's given us the Holy Spirit. We have warm love. That's so cozy, a cozy blessing. I love it. I, um, the Holy Spirit gives me a lot of comfort personally, because y'all know, like, I get into these situations with, like, questionable spirits, like, in the bathroom at Grace United Methodist Church. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm the only one who, like, encounters the spirit. But, you know, like, when you're in, like, a questionable situation, you, like, I don't know, you, like, know something is, like, going on there. Um, I just, I take comfort in that, like, the Holy Spirit's always with me. So I'm like, hey, Holy Spirit, like, please protect me from that unidentifiable sound. Um, yeah, kind of different from what you're saying, Anna, but like, kind of, I don't know. I don't know. Um, on that note, Anna actually volunteered to pray for us. So, yeah. So would you like to close us in a prayer, Anna? I'm so excited to hear your prayer. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the pressure. Um, I pray for the martyrs that were killed in the Roman ring. I pray for all of the animals, the wolves, lambs, peacocks, rat horde, hydras, all of the animals that were probably abused so that they would attack people. And I pray that none of us get canceled. <laughs> For our question and yeah in Jesus name we pray amen amen thank you Anna <laughs> so glad that you prayed for us um and with that I think that's a wrap on our Coliseum episode thank you all for joining us and we'll see you here later The Coliseum Podcast is a production of Campus to City Wesley, serving college-aged young adults in Jacksonville, St. Augustine, and Northeast Florida. Thank you to our host, our guests, our production staff for their work on this episode. We'll talk to you next week.